1: unfortunate way to end for the 49er season 31-7 loss to the philadelphia eagles we're going to be breaking it down and what comes next all after this let's go get him let's go
0: get him today, man let's go hey dominate on three one two three dominate
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a, well, it's an unfortunate time right now. The 49ers are not going on to the Super Bowl, had high aspirations. Everybody wanted it this this week, and unfortunately, obviously, we know the case. 31-7 Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles, Super Bowl, they're facing the winner of the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs, but we're going to be talking specifically about the 49ers, how this game went, and what's going on forward here on the episode of the Rohan Chakravarti Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and let's get into it. Starting off, the 49ers, obviously, this game, we thought it was going to be close. I personally predicted the Eagles to win, but I said how close it was going to be and that nothing was definitely It was a bunch of questions that were really the big point of this game. A bunch of questions, and whoever answered those questions was going to ultimately end up the victor in this game. That was the number one point I stressed. However, all of that goes out the window when the 49ers lose Brock Purdy very early in that first quarter to an injury. And so Brock Purdy completed just three passes in this game before getting injured uh, and really, really struggled. Uh, to throw the football, it seemed, which is why Brock Purdy, when you, um, when you saw that second half, did not throw the football that much. 49ers gave up a touchdown on the initial drive. It was a good drive by the Eagles, but the 49ers made them work for it. It was an 11 play 66 yard drive. They had really good defense for a good portion of it. They uh, Philadelphia really made a good play on third down. And I think it was third and seven where Jalen hurts made a pass. And AJ Brown just made a great catch on that third and seven. And then the fourth and three, we all know about the Devonte Smith catch amazing catch until we saw It wasn't a catch. Now, my thoughts on that play. I want to hear everybody in the chat how they thought about that play. But my thoughts on that play, I thought that uh the 49ers, I I I don't know. It, it's tough because obviously you're you, you you can challenge that if you have the correct information. But the Eagles, they they just had good coaching on that play. Rushed up to the line of scrimmage, snapped the ball before the accurate review could come up for the 49ers to see on the replay and see and determine that it was not a catch. But this that's absolutely on the NFL. The NFL has cameras and gets every play immediately before they are put up on the replay board. They get every play from every camera angle and they are able to quick reverse a call if if the call is wrong. They should have definitely done that. That's a mistake by the NFL review, uh, the officiating review crew whoever was working there because that's a clear clear change in the game early on but the eagles with those two plays really extended that drive and ended up getting a touchdown 49ers were moving at the 50 yard line and then obviously the purdy pass uh that ended up getting him injured let's talk about that now there are a couple of thoughts that you you want to put number one Why is Tethercroft on Hassan Reddick? I thought the 49ers might have done some sort of shift to allow McGlinchey and Reddick to double-team, but Reddick was left alone one-on-one. But the other part, Purdy needs to step up in the pocket. That's something that I've talked about in some plays, where he has the tendency to bail to his left or remain on the outside instead of stepping up in the pocket. Purdy had the chance to step up in the pocket the defenders were flushed to the outside. The edge rushers tried to win on the outside, which means you've got to step up in the pocket. Purdy couldn't step up in the pocket as he tries to throw. Just a bad injury, a bad, bad injury, and unfortunately, it probably, I don't know if it will require surgery. It looks like it should require surgery, and that's why I'm, I am i don't know right now what's going on with the quarterback situation after we thought we had a somewhat definitive answer, uh, at least in the early portion with the way Lance's recovery is going, but Now we don't know. We really ultimately don't know who's going to be uh, healthy at that time. It's going to be an interesting situation. But after that, the game really uh, fell out of hand. The 49ers, I mean, without Brock Purdy, it was Josh Johnson. They had a three and out. They had uh, uh, another drive where essentially, I believe, uh, they had a holding penalty. So it was essentially a three and out. They had a touchdown drive uh, after they started at the Philadelphia 46, really willpower from Christian McCaffrey. He got almost every single touch on that play. Um, And uh, so Christian McCaffrey really got the 49ers their only points. Then the Johnson fumble, that's on Josh Johnson, obviously. Josh Johnson, he, Josh Johnson definitely would have, he would have made that, I mean, you can't fumble the football there. I mean, it's pretty obvious you can't fumble the football there, but, After that, no offense for the 49ers, really a a lifeless team where uh, their defense was all right, but penalty after penalty after penalty, it accumulates. Officiating, certainly you can put that officiating up there. Or whatever you want to think about the officiating, but the penalties and the undisciplined behavior from the 49ers that can't be there in games like this and big time moments, straight Greenlaw with two penalties. One of them I didn't believe was uh, a, a, the 15 yard penalty at the end of the game. Didn't believe that was a penalty, but because he didn't have any contact with the players, but you can't do that when it's going to be fourth and 12 and the Eagles are going to punt. There's absolutely no reason to try and punch that ball out when the play is being whistled out del- wh- whistled dead. You've got to be smarter than that. And Drake Greenlaw wasn't in that moment. Uh, an unfortunate play there. I mean, a couple of these things, the 49ers, the discipline had to be there. And when I talked about the keys to win for the 49ers, it was a couple of things. One, They had to remain disciplined, not only in the penalties that they committed, but in the running game. They had to remain disciplined, fill the gap exchanges and scrape exchanges well when the Eagles uh, operated out of that zone read system. And that, that system, really, they tried to utilize a lot. And the Eagles, what did they do? Well, they had to, the 49ers linebackers had to respect Jalen Hurts. And so it allowed that running game to be uh, a, a little clearer and get Miles Sanders a couple more yards. That's why they were able to run nearly 40 times. I don't know if they did at the end. I think they ran for 45 times or so and ran for nearly 150 yards. That's why they were able to run for so many times because of the effectiveness, even if it's small gains, just churning out and churning it out. After a very sluggish start, eight rushes for eight yards, the Eagles really picked it up after that. And Another thing, they they looked to target whoever Ark Armstead was, uh, the 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 no the other defensive tackle other than Ark Armstead, that guy was getting bullied the entire game. Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey both double teamed. Uh, On those rushes and with their power and agility, they were able to get to the second level, creating a wide open rushing lane for Miles Sanders on those zone reads for Jalen Hurts. And so, you know, there was a lot of things the 49ers definitely could have done better that when I said in my keys to win, had they had done, they could have won the game. But had they not done, likely weren't going to win the game. But Matthew brings it up here. Niners had no chance without a quarterback. And I want to talk about the quarterback situation. But before I do, do want to give a shout out to... The guys that have tuned in, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I do want to talk about the quarterback situation, specifically in this game, because I've seen a couple of takes on Twitter, and I I, I don't think that I, uh, I think that I'll probably have an opinion differing from many. Maybe some of you guys will share my opinion, but to me, I thought the quarterback situation was, uh, like, I thought that, well, look, it's your fourth string quarterback. Are you really expected to win ever a game on your fourth string quarterback? No. That's why it was so impressive what Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy did this year to win these many games in a row with your third string quarterback. Teams going to their second string quarterback likely never have success. The 49ers have seen it. The backup quarterback, though, has been so intrinsic in the San Francisco system because of the amount of injuries we've seen that so many people harp and praise that the 49ers need that backup quarterback. Well... When you go to your fourth-string quarterback, regardless, you are screwed. There's just not that many options in the NFL, not that many signal callers. And so I don't know why so many people are saying uh, how Josh Johnson is to blame for this game. Did he play well? No. But would you expect him to play well with the circumstances that he came into this game with? He came into this game with really no in-game experience in a while. Also, a mid-season addition to this 49er system. And he was a guy who while he definitely could have had better moments like the missed, like the fumble was completely on him and uh, a couple of other things. You can't expect him to elevate this offense after the circumstances that you put him through. That's why it was amazing when Purdy played the way he did when he came in relief of Jimmy Garoppolo. But that's not the norm. That isn't the norm. And so I don't understand why people are blaming the 49ers for Josh Johnson being their fourth string quarterback. And the other thing, I don't understand the blame towards Kyle Shanahan in this game. Kyle Shanahan has had his best year as a coach this year, his best year. He's going to be the coach of the year. And yet people continue to try and find ways to blame Kyle Shanahan. People, the same people that wanted him, uh, that, that blamed him early in the year. People are trying to find ways to blame Kyle Shanahan in this situation. And I don't understand it. He's had the best coach of the year and was dealt in really, really unlucky hand. The way that his quarterbacks got injured and the way he, he Injury history has been, he's dealt a really unlucky hand in general. The 49ers didn't have a chance in this game, which is why I don't understand the, uh, the backlash towards Kyle Shanahan after the year that he did. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. He accomplished so much with uh, really getting a rookie quarterback. Well, first of all, the change from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo, having that significant of a change in a game plan, and then maneuvering through that, and then getting the winning streak started after the trade for Christian McCaffrey, and then doing what he did with Brock Purdy, a third-string quarterback, a seventh-round pick, the last pick in the draft. And, I mean, all of the things that he did, when you talk about the resume and accumulate the resume, it's impressive what Kyle Shanahan has done this year, which is why I think that there's – Well, I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan is devoid of criticism. I've had my fair share of criticism before. And even as a supporter, I mean, I I keep it. I say both sides. I say it as I see it. I just don't understand it in this particular situation going forward. But uh, talking about the remainder of the game, I mean, the Eagles, they they did possess the biggest matchup. And that's why I, I predicted them to win. I mean, I thought that the run game was going to be of significant importance. If the 49ers could defend well in the run game, that would be a, a significant part to neutralizing that Philly offense and really getting their defense on a roll. But the 49ers weren't able to do that. They uh, sometimes, I mean, Drake Greenlaw had his worst game, his worst game. I, I've seen it in a long, long time. Drake Greenlaw did not have a good game this year. And, uh, I mean, this game is probably comparable to that, what was it, week one? The Week one this year, Drake Greenlaw didn't have a great game. It's comparable to that performance from Drake Greenlaw. Took poor angles, consistently took poor angles on the two touchdowns that Philadelphia had on the ground. The Miles Sanders one, and then I believe, I mean, both were Miles Sanders ones. Greenlaw didn't take great angles. Discipline-wise, uh, the 49ers around their defensive front, I mean, they had to respect the running game. And regardless of whether you think the 49ers played bad, their system, I mean, you, you do have to respect... What Jalen Hurts can do on the ground, and that is what makes Philly so tough to guard. It is an RPO system. It's a zone read system. It's not like it's unique. It's just the talent incorporated with the entirety of the system made it a difficult system to defend. When you talk about the offensive line being so powerful in run blocking, the running game with Miles Sanders being a good running back and the running game being effective on its own, and then incorporating the fact that the, the Eagles Uh, leak out a tight end to try and draw an edge uh, defender and then force some other mismatches there because people have to fill in those responsibilities while having Jalen Hurts as well as a very powerful runner. I think that there's so much to the Eagles and the intricacy of that system. It's just why it made it so successful. 49ers, I thought they could have played better in that uh, that regard. And I think that that was also uh, an issue that we saw and really an issue where we saw the Eagles Really succeed. One place though that I said was a key to win and that the 49ers did do well in was the way that D'Amico Ryan schemed this game in the passing game. I was I I, I thought D'Amico Ryan had a phenomenal job. He limited Jalen Hurts to 15 of 25 and 121 yards. That is phenomenal. 4.8 yards per uh 4.8 yards per attempt. That gave the 49ers a chance if they were actually going to be in this game with a uh with a viable quarterback. But I mean, when you talk about it, obviously this uh, uh circumstances permitting, when you talk about it, you gotta praise what Treverius Ward did, gotta praise what Diamond Lenore did. Ward had a phenomenal game, covered whoever was on his way, and Lenore obviously wasn't targeted as much, but really limited everything to just the underneath stuff. Not many deep balls, not many explosive plays. The 49ers were able to limit those explosive plays, which was big. But the other part about it was how did the 49ers do that? The 49ers well, the system today was allowing their cornerbacks to play more near the line of scrimmage, allowing those cornerbacks to kind of not necessarily be more physical, but the 49ers trusted their cornerbacks instead of playing that off coverage. The off coverage we saw last week allowed Dallas to move the ball up the field during the few times that they had offensive success. That wouldn't work. That was going to work even w- worse against Philadelphia, who have a better offensive system and a better. Uh, a guy who can throw as well as Dak Prescott, but a better quarterback really at the moment with solid enough receivers. They've got two top end receivers here, including a top end tight end. So I praised Amico Ryans for the job he did in that regard, because that was a very impressive uh, performance from him in the passing game. And would have given the 40-unders a chance had they maybe uh, had better luck, obviously, in the quarterback situation. But some other topics we got to talk about are what's going forward. How do the 49ers kind of continue on after the of free agents? They have a – I think it's – I don't know the extent to the amount of starters, but they have a lot, a lot, a lot of free agents. Uh, Jimmy Ward is going to be one. Charles Lomenehue is going to be one. Mike McClinchy is going to be one. Uh, when you talk about it, a lot of them and so how are you going to be able to manage that with the cap space that you have while also negotiating extensions for nick bosa nick bosa is going to command a hefty hefty salary garoppolo is another free agent he's likely not to return but what happens with the ward what happens with the what happens with omenihue what happens at the center position with jake Brendel gone uh or what do you do with tashaun gibson who's also gone kerry Hyder, samson ebucom those are key guys, and then Emmanuel Mosley. That's a lot of key players for this 49ers team that they're going to have to once again navigate. They got lucky last year because of the COVID year that created a lot more situations where they could get some more free agents, or they got lucky two years ago. Last year, they dealt with it, but they really executed a very well uh, planned free agency uh, plan where they brought in Triberius Ward, replaced Arden Key with the emerging Charles So. What's their plan this year? Because this is one of the most vital off seasons going forward. They have not many draft picks in terms of high round picks. They have good draft capital, but not many high round draft picks, which means they're going to have to hit on some of those mid to low round draft picks and also have some early contributors. But on top of that, they're going to need to get better free agents in terms of who can they fit well and how do they manage it with the cap. Because Mike McGlinchey's kind of man, going to command a pretty hefty salary likely. Jimmy Ward had a very good year. We'll see how he's regarded around the league. And I don't think he's going to take less money like he did in 2020. I think he's going to take the deal that's best for him. There are a lot of situations like that. And so I'm very interested to see how the 49ers do that. But that's only one part of the equation. Second part of the equation, the coaching. How are the 49ers going to deal with the coaching staff? Because D'Amico Ryans, it seems like he's likely to leave. He wants a head coaching job, and the head coaching opportunities are there. Two teams have him as their number one, the Texans and the Broncos, and it seems like the Texans right now are the odds-on favorite. We'll see where Ryans lands, but regardless, it looks like Ryans will likely bring some coaches alongside him. Who are those coaches, and how do the 49ers replace him? I think that that's going to be important, and I think that – Overall, the 49ers are going to have to figure out a way to insulate at the coaching position. Now, I think that that's a bit of a lesser worry. Why? Kyle Shanahan has done a phenomenal job with his coaching staff. He's correctly evaluated and really developed his coaches into the positions that they've been. Kyle Shanahan identified Robert Sala at first, ended up becoming a head coach. Identified uh, Domingo Ryans. He's a head coach. Brian Greasy good uh, a good good ad. he added Anthony Lynn this year who's likely going to be an offensive coordinator next year for some jobs there are a lot a lot of situations that uh, Kyle Shanahan has done a good job with his coaching staff and I think that that should be praised and I think that that's why it might not be as big of a deal as you'd expect the last part front office are there any front office executives going to leave What's the future of John Lynch? Because this is, once again, another disappointing end to the 49ers season. Lynch obviously came into this goal with a Super Bowl. He wanted the Super Bowl and unfortunately does not get it. TV, he's been rumored to be in TV, uh, but also, could he could he walk away? Uh, could he walk away uh, right now and get a job that puts less stress and puts him more with his family? That could be an option, and that obviously leads to the Adam Peters succession plan. But does Lynch stay? And if Lynch stays, what happens with Adam Peters? Does he remain? Does he get a bigger role? Does Lynch get promoted? lot, a lot of different questions to add. And then we've got to cycle back because this is the offseason talk to the quarterback situation. Quarterback situation is going to be very interesting because Brock Purdy, it looked like was going to be the favorite to be the starter next year. He was going to be the healthier one going into training camp. He also had the more experience and and had been running the Shanahan system the best of any quarterback in the past. And so I think that that's important to know. But now Brock Purdy is likely he's going to have to re- recover from this injury. And I think that that's going to be uh, just adding another layer to an already interesting quarterback debacle. And so how do the 49ers navigate that Is it going to be a competition? Does Trey Lance get more opportunity because of the injury when he returns? What's going to happen with the quarterback situation? That's a question I think is going to be another very interesting question that we see the answers to. 49er fans have unfortunately been in this quarterback situation talk for so long in the offseason, since the 2021 season when Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, uh, the 49ers uh, got three picks for Trey Lance or traded three picks for Trey Lance, got Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo ended up being the starter. The Jimmy Trey talk last year, now Trey Brock talk this year is how it looks like it's going to be. So a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, questions to be answered. But D'Amico Ryans right now, it seems like he's going to be the guy to go to the head coaching job for the Houston Texans. We'll see how it goes. But answers should be coming soon. Uh, Super Bowl, Eagles going there. 49ers, they fall back once again. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the Rohan Chakravarti show. A little shorter, instant recap. Me and Marco should be going live at some point. Uh, I'd assume probably tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. But thank you guys. And we will see you guys next episode.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app.